I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. This is a podcast for what we call mind discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. One of the questions that I get from folks from time to time is, so Jim, what is your favorite book that you've written? And it's an interesting question because, and I think of when people say, you know, do you have a favorite child, which you shouldn't have a favorite child. You know, you, you love your kids equally in different ways, but you love them the same. And the same is true for the books that I've written. I've written 12 books and I love them all in, in different ways. They're different books. But if someone really presses me and says, well, there's the, is there one that's really special to you in some way? I will say Room of Marbles. And the reason is, if you don't know what that book, it's, it's actually the only fiction book I've, I've ever written. Room of Marbles, and you got to be careful how you say it. It's not Room of Marbles. Somebody thinks some folks thought that was the title when I just say it. Room of Marvels with a V is, is a book that I wrote but didn't mean to write. Uh, I, I, that sounds strange, but I had gone through a series of losses and some people that I loved had passed on, I, my daughter Madeline and my good friend Rich Mullins, my mom, they all died within a short span of time. And I was really dealing with, with grief. And I didn't at that time think about therapy. I was just thinking, I, I don't know what to do with this, but I did what I do. And that is in my quiet time, in my devotional time, I started journaling. And so I started writing and I kept writing. And next thing I know, I was actually writing about a place and I was describing the place. And I was like, like seeing it in my mind, almost like you would close your eyes and see a movie happening in your mind. And so I just stayed with it and I kept writing and I kept writing. And suddenly I thought, I think, I think this is heaven or something like heaven. And then I thought, well, if I stay here, will I see people that I have loved and lost. And I did. And so I just kept writing about that. And I wrote about my interaction with them and what, what they would say to me from the other side of the veil. And so I wrote it and I had no intention of showing it to anyone, but eventually I did. And I showed it to my wife and she was very moved by it, particularly because um, it deals with the loss of our daughter. And, uh, and then I showed it to my dad and my dad, who was alive at the time, read it, and he was also very moved because I wrote about my mom um, or his wife who had passed. So I thought, well, this is family. I don't know if this is helpful to anyone else. And then eventually I thought, well, maybe I should show it to someone. And I showed it to my agent, Kathy Helmers, and I thought she will decide if she says, well, this was nice for you, but I don't know that it'll help anyone else. I knew she would be honest. So I sent um, a copy of it to her, and she read it and said, I think this will be very helpful to a lot of people who have lost people in their lives. 
So that's the origin story of Room of Marvels. And the book has, has been out for a long time. And I get incredible responses, letters, cards, emails from folks who have read the book and been helped by it through their own grief. So that's, I guess, an answer to, to that question about a favorite book. I don't know if it's my favorite book, but it's definitely a book that's very special to me. Well, last fall, it just so happened that there were a number of losses in my life again. And these weren't close family uh, folks, but people that I knew and cared about and loved, and, and, and they passed on. And it, it made me, again, begin to, to feel, well, you know, that, that pain of loss. And so I did something that was kind of strange. I didn't reread Room of Marvels, I didn't read my own book, but I went and and reread Dallas Willard's foreword to the book. And I was so moved by it that I thought I would share with you some of the insights. I mean, it's a short foreword. It's only about 5 pages, but it's classic Dallas Willard. He has so much to say and it's it's one of those little short pieces that as I think about it over time, it just gets better and better. And it means more and more to me. So what I thought I would do today is just to share some of the things that he says and then riff on that and unpack it a little bit because what he says has such depth to it. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you've lost someone recently or in the last few years. Um, But if you are grieving at all, perhaps this episode will be encouraging to you. So, without any further ado, let's, let's look at what the great Dr. Dallas Willard says in his foreword to my book, Room of Marvels. Dallas begins, Of all the tests that fray the confidence and nerves of Christians, the most difficult to bear is undoubtedly the death of loved ones. Right away, Dallas, he hits on something. Of all the tests that fray our confidence and our nerves, Of all the things that we face, the most difficult really is when we've lost someone that we love. It tests everything about our faith. It it makes us question and wonder and examine, and we discover, what is it that I really, really believe? That's one of the things that, that losing someone does. Dallas goes on to say, a legitimate part of the pain is simply the parting, the fact that, that I now can no longer pick up the phone and talk to my sister or my father or visit with them is a lasting sorrow. You know, this fall for me personally was the fifth anniversary of the passing of my brother, my brother Mike, who is older than me, um, but was an amazing older brother, so funny and so fun and great to be with. And he suffered some health issues later in life. And, and he passed away, as I said, five years ago. And it was the fifth anniversary of his passing that I particularly felt the pain. And what Dallas says is, is right. A legitimate part of the pain is simply the parting. The fact that I can now no longer pick up the phone and talk to, in this case, my brother. We used to talk a lot. We would talk a lot about things that we both had in common. We both grew up in Denver and we both loved the Denver Broncos. So we would talk about the Broncos, usually commiserating in the last several years. But um, we, we would talk about things that matter and just the ability to talk with him, to, to share, to know what's going on. I can't do that now. And that's, that's a, a real part of the pain is that I, I can't do that. I can't connect with them in the way that I want to. 
And then Dallas goes on to say, As Christians we know, or at least have heard, the glorious words of Christ and His people about their future life in the presence of God. But frankly, few really believe them. Well, that's a really potent sentence there. Sure, as Christians, we all know it. We've all heard Jesus rose from the dead. Those who are in Christ will rise. When we go to funerals, people talk about their loved ones being in a better place. It's, it's something that we've heard, something that we think, well, yeah, of course I know that. But then he has that sentence at the end. But frankly, few really believe them. That's the one that really hit me in the gut when I read that the first time I read Dallas's forward. Frankly, few really believe them. Because then he goes on to say this, to really believe them would mean acting straightforwardly and spontaneously as if they were true. It would require being confident with every pore of our being that any friend of Jesus is far better off dead. Oh, I, yow, ouch. <laughs> there it is. I love that. To, to really believe, to believe the things that Jesus said, if to really, really believe them would be to act as if they were true. And that would require that I am confident with every pore of my being that someone who is a friend of Jesus, they are far better off dead. That's just a hard one to swallow. But he's right. If you really believe it, not just sort of, kind of, well, I've heard it, but really believe it. And then Dallas pushes just a little bit more in the last sentence. He says, It would be to rejoice in the midst of our parting sorrows over the indescribably greater well-being of our loved one who has moved on further up and further into the greatness of God and his world. So, not just to believe it, but actually to rejoice. To rejoice in the midst of our parting sorrows. See, that's important when he notes that. Those parting sorrows don't go away. How do we rejoice in the midst of? I think that's the key to our growth in faith, to get to that place where we can rejoice in the midst of the parting sorrows. But we rejoice because of the indescribably greater well-being of that person that we love, who's gone further up and further into the greatness of God and his world. That forward alone, I often say, is worth the price of the book. As, you know, so much of Dallas's writing, there's, there's so much depth in it. But as I think about that, and I think about loss, and we encounter that so much in our lives, I think we get to that place where we, we have to ask the question, so, I mean, do we just believe because we want to believe? Do we, do we believe these things because it just feels a lot better? Or do we believe because, as Dallas was saying, we trust in Jesus? We trust in Jesus. Now, I suspect that many of you who are listening today have encountered the risen Christ. You listen to this podcast because you're a Christ follower in some way. Maybe you're newer to the faith. Maybe you've been following Jesus for decades. But either way, you've had an encounter with the risen Christ. So, that means that you have some sense of belief or confidence or experience with the resurrected Christ. And if Jesus rose from the dead, 
then he was, well, he was right about everything. And when he says, those who believe in me won't taste death, we have to say, well, he was right about everything. It's interesting because I've walked with Jesus a long time, and one of the things that is just so crystal clear to me now is that Jesus is never wrong about anything. I've never, I've read the Gospels so many times over. You can't quote anything from the Gospels like, I've never heard that before. I have read and studied and listened to the words of Jesus, and never once have I gone, yeah, I just think he was wrong about that. No, everything that he said was right about every area of life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Spot on. That's just really true. What is the golden rule? Right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Turns out that's just really true. Even the hard things like love your enemies, everything that he said was right, maybe not easy, but right. One of the persons that passed on this fall, her name was Nellie, and I didn't know her personally. She's, um, my, my wife is, is good friends with uh, her sister, so I was sort of watching things unfold as she was dealing with her health decline, and, and she did pass on. But, but before she died, there was this short video that I found very moving where um, Nellie's sister, Janine, asked her this question. She said, do you ever question why God allows so much suffering? And her name is Janelle, but she went by Nellie. And Nellie said, we're not God. God's much bigger than us. God's in control, and God is all good. And then she said this, relying on the Bible is never a negative. And I was really struck by that phrase, relying on the Bible is never a negative. Her sister Janine went on to say this, because they'd been studying the Bible together. She said, you know, we were reading in Romans 8 that when we suffer, we're able to receive God's glory. And Nellie said, I believe it. I believe it by faith, even when I don't feel like it. You know, I've, I've come to believe that when it comes to those hard, hard questions, like how can God allow suffering? I think the, the people who are only qualified to answer those things are the people who are suffering themselves, not those who are standing on the sidelines. So when, when Nellie says those things, when, when she says, look, relying on the Bible is never a negative I believe these things even when I don't feel it. She's believing in the midst of the struggle. And I think that's really profound. Relying on what Jesus says to be true is never a negative. So what does Jesus say about this issue? Well, he says a lot of things. In John 14, 28, Jesus says, If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. The context there is that his disciples are saying, we don't want you to die, Jesus, because he had just set, predicted his own, his own death. And he says, no, if you love me, you would have rejoiced. See, that's similar to what Dallas was saying. If we really believe, we would rejoice. In Luke 23, 43, a very famous passage where Jesus turns to the thief on the cross the one who puts some faith in Jesus, and he says to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me 
in paradise. There's no qualification there. He's just saying, today, you will be with me in paradise. I mean, that's incredibly good news. Do we rely on that, on that reality? In John 8, 51, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Now, what does that mean, taste death? Taste death it was a sort of a, an idiom in that, that day, a colloquial way of saying that they won't experience death as we expect it. That's what he's saying. Those who keep my word, who walk closely with me, they're just going to pass on to the next way of being. Death as they expect it. That's just not, they're not going to taste it. They're not going to experience that. And of course, in John 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus adds this, do you believe this? It's hard to believe it because when someone we love passes, we don't see that transition. But we believe it. Why? Because we trust in Jesus. See, to believe is to act on something. We know something, what Jesus says, who he was, the confidence we have in him. So when he says, this is the truth, we say, well, I will believe that. And so Paul was saying the same thing when he says in 2 Timothy 2, if we've died with him, we will also live with him. That's a great, if we died with him, we will also live with him. And then in Philippians 1, Paul says, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. See, Paul had that confidence. Why? Paul was knocked off his donkey on the way to Damascus. He experienced a theophany. He experienced a visible manifestation of God. Jesus appeared to Paul and spoke to him. He trusted in the risen Christ. So when he then was with the other disciples and they said, you know, Jesus said things like, those who keep my word won't even taste death. If you believe in me, you'll never die. Paul really believed it. That's why he said, for me, living is Christ, but dying is gain. That's that confidence and then finally, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and this really was the central verse for me as I was writing the book, Room of Marvels. Paul says this, But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. That's so important because we do grieve. Paul's not saying don't grieve. He's saying we grieve, but we don't grieve as others do. We grieve with hope. What's hope? I've said on this podcast many times, hope is certainty in a good future. Hope is faith for our future. Faith is something we use in the present. I, I, every step I take is an act of faith in the present moment, but hope is for the future. So when I think about the future, I have hope. So I grieve. I grieve those I've lost, but I grieve with hope. It's so profound. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave to me one of the most powerful quotes about having that confidence and living with the reality that we do grieve and we are sad in the midst of loss. This is something that Bonhoeffer wrote um, near the end of his own life, but he was writing about the pain of loss. And just listen to these words. They're so profound. He writes, There's nothing that can replace the absence of someone dear to us, and one should not even attempt to do so. One must simply hold out and endure it. For to the extent the emptiness truly remains unfilled, one remains connected to the other person through it. It's wrong to say that God fills the emptiness. God in no way fills it, but much more leaves it precisely unfilled and thus helps us preserve, even in pain, the authentic relationship. Wow. We don't say, oh, take away this this pain that I feel in the loss. No. I stay connected to the person through the pain. God doesn't fill that. He leaves it there. Bonhoeffer goes on to say, Furthermore, the more beautiful and full the remembrances, the more difficult the separation. But gratitude transforms the torment of memory into silent joy. One bears what was lovely in the past, not as a thorn, but as a precious gift deep within, a hidden treasure of which one can always be certain. That's so good. The more, the more beautiful and full the remembrances, the more difficult the separation, to be sure. But then gratitude transforms it. So as I mentioned, this past fall was the fifth anniversary of my brother's passing. It was, this year was also the 10th anniversary of Dallas's passing. And when I think about them, both of them, both my brother and Dallas Willard, I have so many memories. And, and I'm filled with such incredible joy when I remember them. But when I give thanks for them, this is what Bonhoeffer's saying. When we can give thanks, say, look, the pain is real, but I'm so grateful I had that time with them. I'm so, so glad. Thank you, Lord, that I had those great experiences with that person. I didn't have to have them. They were a gift. And that gratitude transforms the thorn into a precious treasure. So good. So good. I just, I love the wisdom of all of that. So what do we do when we grieve? We, we steep ourselves in the truth, in the truth of what Jesus says. What did Nellie say? Relying on the Bible's never negative. We rely on what Jesus said so that the assurances of the continuity of our lives under God in this universe begins to seep into our souls so that we, when we think of those we've lost, we learn how to set our minds on things above. We learn how to rejoice. This person never tasted death. Think about that, the person you've lost. They never tasted death. Rejoice. They're with the Father in glory. Rejoice, they're in paradise. Rejoice, they're with Jesus. Rejoice, they're home. Rejoice, we'll see them again. Yes, we grieve. We grieve our loss, not theirs. But we grieve with hope. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.